Hey there, it's Jennifer, and welcome back to the True and Beautiful podcast. Hope you're doing well. I'm super glad you're here. So in today's episode, Jeremy and I sit down with Jacob Simoleon, and we just start talking through what it was like as kids going to the church and the school that we did. And I know this telling is a one piece at a time telling. It's a first and second and third conversation. It's questions being asked and processed and answered organically. And it's thoughts and topics coming up from different angles. And I don't exactly know how it's all going to come out, how it's going to arrive, which is a little terrifying to me. And that's okay, that's not a bad thing. So even though I don't know exactly how this story will arrive, what I do know is that the God of this story is good and that he loves me, he loves us. And he knows what's happening and he knows what's what happened and, and what's still to happen. So I'm just trying to keep my eyes locked on that, on, on him. And then I'll get where I need to go. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope you enjoy this conversation between me and Jeremy and Jacob. We're going to get some context for other interviews that we've had uh, and build a bit of a story, a backstory behind how Jeremy and Jennifer got here and what they're doing here. And um, okay, so let's start with that first question, which is what is legalism? Can you guys break that down for me? You go first. Me? That's cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, I probably think legalism is um, a loaded word, like many words in our culture. <clears throat> it means something different for different people. But uh, <clears throat> so I can, only really, I can only really speak to my own context and my own life story and the baggage that comes with that. Uh, but with those uh, disclaimers... <laughs> Yeah, legalism is um, an attempt to uh, create a relationship with God by my own actions. Okay. Mm. That's Whatever. cool. I'm very concise. Um, I would say yes, and legalism is the... The list of things that you do or the list of things that you're not allowed to do to be acceptable to God, to be able to relate to him. So, yeah, it's all about kind of measuring up. Ooh, okay. The need to measure up. Yeah, okay, so that sounds, Jeremy, it sounds, uh, your definition sounds different than Jennifer's a bit. And it also sounds different than probably the definition that you grew up with. Um, and I could be wrong about that, but uh, how has that, how has legalism changed for you as you've gotten older? Like, has your understanding of the concept evolved? Well, I would say as a kid, I, I had no concept of it. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, in fact, in our, in our culture, we talked about those legalists as if they were bad people. Oh, okay, well. if they were other people. Yeah, they weren't us, they were oh, yeah. other people. Oh, yeah. 
Their and, names were the but Pharisees. Ironically, that's ironically that's uh, that's what legalists do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so like diving further into that, could you guys paint me a picture of where you grew up? Kind of who was there, uh, what they were teaching, uh, why they were there. So I met Jennifer in the eighth grade. My father was in the Air Force, and okay. we moved around a lot. But we moved to San Antonio, um, and uh, started attending the church that she was at uh, in in the eighth grade. Got it. Um, you know, I'll let you pick up from there, maybe. Okay, sure. Um, so I grew up in the first church that I remember going to was, you know, maybe when I was about four or so, four or five called Grace Bible Church. I remember sometimes we could walk to it from our house in San Antonio. Um, so we did that as a family. I remember a white building on the outside. I remember a lot of red, like red on the pews, you know, (laughs) upholstery, fabric, red carpet, I was a part of the choir. The choir teacher was Mrs. Spencer, and she was very talented and a little bit scary. And um, I was a little bit in awe of her. And then um, there were a few families, couples, families, who um, broke away from that church because they had different ideas about end-time things, eschatological issues. So, as I heard later, um, so then what church looked like to me was... Your family was a part of that Yeah, that Grace breakaway? Bible. Yes, yes, our family okay. was a part of that breakaway. Jeremy was yours? We weren't, oh, that was before I showed up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this that, was that, like probably, when I was five-ish. Yeah, so a good, you know, eight or nine years earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it looked like, you know... A handful, maybe five families meeting in different people's homes. You know, I remember being on the floor of somebody's living room, I guess, listening to whoever was doing the teaching. And um, and that church, that grouping became the church that I was in until we got married and moved to Dallas, Texas, when we were like 20. I was 23. So post-college after... Yes. Yep. Uh, okay. So this all started in San Antonio. Yep. Um, and so it wasn't this, the church that you guys met in and kind of became humans and adults in um, was not, uh, it, like, I guess it was an enclave, but it wasn't necessarily physically restricted from the rest of the city. It was just kind of uh, a cultural cutout. Right. Yep. Uh, That's right. So how was it? cut out from everything else going on in San Antonio at the time. Well, um, you know, I, I don't, we didn't realize this, uh, again, as we were living in it and growing up, it was only when you leave it that you start to gain a perspective of the world other than the one that you were living in. Uh-huh. And so slowly over time you start to, the picture starts to come into clarity and context, but basically, um, you know, uh, the church had a school. And so, yeah, uh, we were in the school and you, you know, you spend most of your life, your waking hours in, uh, if you are a person of faith in church or school. And so yeah. just the sheer number of hours, um, dedicated to being in that environment, 
there's a lot of control by uh, by not being exposed to other cultures because just the the way the the hours stack up. Yeah, fair. Um, and then and then I, I would say uh, secondly, uh, the church was in a very obscure location. We it, you know it uh, San Antonio is a you know pretty big city. There's yeah. lots of places to have a church. We were in a industrial corner of the city up in the northeast and there was there was no there were really no um residential neighborhoods close nearby it was all uh industrial complexes and uh didn't realize that was odd at the time but looking back it's we found our own little corner of the world to to do life in Mm -hmm. even even from a geographical location Mm -hmm. standpoint yeah you think that was intentional I um, think it was church leadership. Not, I think it was not intentional from church leadership in the sense that they were volitionally thinking it. I think, but I think just the subtle ways that they were uh, not even self-aware enough about <laughs> what they were doing caused them to find comfort in that. Definitely, yeah, they were able to car- carve out their own little section of their own kingdom. Yeah, totally. Um, yep. Do you have anything to add to that? Sure. Well, I have no idea, but I'm thinking maybe part of it had to do with cost or you know maybe it's cheaper there or something like that but i think you're right it feels nice to to sort of you had to work to get there i mean you know back road or whatever kind of lookout road was just a kind of a mess but um then also i would say you know what was taught about the world made the people who heard and bought what was taught want to isolate yeah because what we heard was you know that there's a lot of evil out there and so you you feel protected yeah when you stick together if that makes any sense yeah absolutely do you agree yeah, do you i i do i i think um i think two or three things at once i, I you yeah. know one thing um ultimately i feel like legalism is about being in control. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, uh, if I can make the rules and I can be the arbiter of what you do that's good or bad as well as what I do that's good or bad, yeah, um, I can find comfort in controlling a world that I know how to manipulate and manage. Yeah. And, and there's lots of ways of getting at manipulation and managing other things and other people that you yeah. shouldn't, but uh, legalism <laughs> is one of those conduits. Mm-hmm. So the church the believers fellowship was was legalism a doctrine that they followed no that it's is the such opposite. an interesting question uh, it, yeah yeah it's that it's that ironic thing where yeah. uh they were they were hating on the legalists yeah but even i mean you mentioned earlier that it was they were they also kind of embodied they did um is that something that i'm guessing even today is not acknowledged correct there's still anti-legalist legalists yes Absolutely. All right. And more, more, more so than you, than you might imagine. It's a, it's a very, uh, I, I'm going to say, especially in uh, DuPage County uh, mm-hmm. out here, um, there's a, we, we affectionately or not so affectionately like to call it the Wheaton bubble. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I hear, I hear a lot about it in Chicago. Do you? Um, in Chicago, because a lot of, a lot of people grew up out here um, or in surrounding suburbs in Glen Ellen and Wheaton. Um, or have siblings that did, and uh, it's very wheat and bubbly um, in terms of uh, religion and uh, like the evangelical presence out here is it's super starkly different than a lot of the demographics moving east. 
especially like religiously, you know, you, like the, the churches thin out as you get closer to uh-huh. the city. And then there are still a lot of churches, but uh, it's particularly, I think Wheaton College has a lot to do with it. But Interesting. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's good in that, but there's also yeah. an underbelly and there's bad. And so this is sort of the, the underbelly side of it. And I, I feel like, um, this might not have been on the agenda, but you know, uh, in one of Jennifer's earlier podcasts, yeah. uh, she and you both used the word occult. Will you talk a little bit more about why you connect the word cult with your previous life? Yeah, I think, uh, and actually I've had some time to think about this only because I've been chewing on it after it came up in the, that episode. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, 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 I don't know that there's an actual really concise, exact definition. Things can be on a spectrum of definitely cultishness, if you yeah. will. But some of the hallmarks are legalism, one. Number two, uh, there tends to be a cult of personality. It tends to be a very, there usually is a very dominant leader yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Who, who essentially uh, leads alone, doesn't, does, not, does not have the ability to lead in community with, with peers, can't, can't allow peers the ability to peer up. That exists in yeah <laughs> there's a there's a, a cult of personality around a single individual who yeah. mm-hmm. really makes the rules and yeah and the third part is so it's a it's a three legs like legalism it's cult of personality uh, and then there's this like i'm going to call it secret knowledge it's almost like we have the ability to understand the truth yeah. better than anybody and nobody else has this secret sauce yeah it's, there's a there's a kool-aid that's pretty culty <laughs> And uh, also, I would say, too, um, isolation, an element which is, of isolation. Well, yeah. All of those three things create yeah, isolation. They definitely the, I, do. I'd say the isolation is the outcome. It's not really the ingredient. It's, oh, that's it's what, interesting. It, it's, what, it, it's what happens when you put those things in the mixing bowl. Okay, so you guys grew up in this, in this environment. What did you imagine the world to be like outside of the environment? I'll start with you. What did I imagine? This is going to be fun because yeah. we'll have very opposite answers. Yeah, I bet. I, I so, bet. So um, I, I never asked to go to another school. I never wanted to go to another school. I wondered sometimes, but I thought, oh, that's really scary. And I didn't know a lot, I mean, of the outside. I, and I didn't wonder a lot about you know, the way the world worked. I guess we watched the news sometimes and, you know, heard things about what was happening in the world, but that just wasn't a huge part of what I thought about. And um, so when it came time for me to, you know, what am I going to do after high school? I was young. I was 16 for most of my senior year. I turned 17 in March. Well, okay. And... I didn't really know how to wonder or research or look around or ask questions or um so yeah I just didn't reach very far and I didn't want to probably reach very far because where I was reaching was a scary place yeah okay so you know so I wanted to kind of uh, stay safe still so touching more on that, 
why was it scary? What was scary about the outside world? Um, what was scary about the outside world? I don't know that I knew. I mean, I guess, number one, just it being so unknown. Mm-hmm. Number two. Like what was uh, the image people painted? People didn't, uh, you know, they were unbelievers. Mm-hmm. They were outside the faith. We wouldn't necessarily use the terms outside the faith, but they hated God. Mm-hmm. They, you know, didn't know what we knew. Mm. They didn't. They didn't live life the correct way. It's like this: evil. They're evil people. Yeah. And evil people goes where it burns, and I don't want to go where it burns. <laughs> I remember. Oh my gosh, my first job. Well, besides babysitting, um, was I worked at H E B, which is a local grocery store, big chain. Okay. In the south. Yeah. I was a bagger first, then a cashier, then I worked in customer service, um, and so that was kind of my first foray into oh, other people's, you know, oh, in the break room, kids, guys, wh- whatever, who are my age. Yeah. They did what last night, or yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're talking like how and and even in college, I went to UTSA, UT San Antonio, got involved in uh, the Baptist Student Union, and even that was a shock to me, Jacob. Yeah, because kids that um, that loved Jesus, that claimed faith. Wait, how many? Like your parents are divorced? What? What's that about? Or you believe what exactly? And you, you know, say you're in faith or it was just all very kind of, I wasn't really prepared well. Did it, did that inspire fear? Did that inspire judgment? Did that inspire, like, what did that inspire in you? Uh, A lot of insecurity. Well, it brought out, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of insecurity. Gosh, I just did not know how to be myself or socialize or be normal. Yeah. And uh, I looked like I was 12 anyway, so that did not help. Um, And questions, you know, like, what do I believe? And, you know, why do I believe that? Probably judgment, you know, I'm I'm obviously better than you are. Yeah, you're not. Because my life looks more squeaky clean. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, those things, you know what? Some some shame, too, because I just. You know, I just wasn't comfortable in my inside myself, you know, or yeah. you, you want to fit in with your peers and yeah, peers and I just knew that, yeah, they totally did. I'm to just like really, and, and and I'm so awkward and yeah. shame and fear are yeah. uh, probably the biggest motivators in legalism. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, and, and you like, what, what, what about, uh, your visions of the outside world and, uh, you know, before you got there, uh, what were you imagining the world would be like? Um, I was always the rebel. I was always curious. Yeah. Um, I can see that. I was the one getting in trouble. I was the one challenging authority. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really know what it looked like, but yeah. I wanted to get there as fast as I could. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were on your way there. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. amazing, actually. Yeah. On the topic of fear, then. Did like fear of what you were going to discover or what you were going to get yourself into ever hold you back? 
I mean, uh, there surely were times where I had fear of something, but as a as an overarching ethic or theme, yeah, not so much. It was um, it wasn't really fear based. It was, in fact, and I don't know why this is. Uh, I don't know whether it's nature or nurture, but I've always been pretty much since I can remember. Um, I, I fear failure less than the average person. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is, but it's it tends to be the way I have made choices in life. It's pretty similar for me. I think it's because my parents never framed failure as failure. They framed failure as trying. Brilliant. Yeah, um, I didn't. I, I My parents definitely framed failure as failure. Um, so it didn't, it didn't come from yeah, that. That's but, interesting. But um, I can didn't pinpoint. It didn't come from anywhere that, that was part of our experience, babe. You were just willing to scrape your knee and keep going. I think one thing that you told me one time, Jeremy, was that, um, you know, the system, what was taught, what was put out to us as what was true, you never really thought. Do you remember? I mean, like... Definitely there were points about that, you know. Do you, is there a point that you remember from childhood or, like, early... Uh, adolescence where you're in a, the context of the church and you're just thinking, no, this isn't it. This can't be it. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that I, I mean, I did definitely experience a, a, a time in college where, you know, I stopped going to church and it, it wasn't really important to me, but I, I, I never, I never really, I didn't question the church. I questioned the way we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so to me that was, and I don't even know why that's the case. Many of my friends and peers over the course of my life have said, why are you not an ax murderer? Like you should be, <laughs> oh, you should be in the church of Satan by now or something. Like, <laughs> Cause you were running to the opposite end. Well, I, I was running, I was running away from the, I wasn't, I don't feel like I was actually running away from the church. I feel like I was running away from the way that I was experiencing church. Yeah. And that, that did mean there was collateral damage and I stretched boundaries Definitely. farther than even what, whatever, whatever normal churches, I, you know, I, I press those boundaries too. Yeah. But, um, I've never, I've never doubted that, the, that there, uh, I've never doubted the existence of God or the importance of the role of church. Interesting. Well, interesting that you ran in that direction, but that was able to stay an important part of your life. I feel like a lot of people run away from it and just run away from it and entirely mm-hmm. um I, you know doctrine when i'm 100 years now when i'm dead maybe it'll all be make sense and be clear but my suspicion is uh in 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 as broken of a place as we grew up yeah and as heinous and hellish as i feel like it was in many many ways there were there were moments where god showed up and he was real and i couldn't deny it and so yeah um it just seemed plausible to me that we were totally effed up, but that we didn't we didn't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, so on that topic, um, can you explain uh, worm theology? But it's 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 basically um, uh, a view of oneself as uh, utterly hopeless, deplorable, horrible. It it's self loathing. It's self hate. Can you paint the picture, the the visual picture, of why there's a worm in there? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, it's um, 
Where's the war? Yeah, it's it's a story. It's uh, I'm I'm trying to remember um, the preacher it was a, a a British preacher in the 1800s, and I'm blocking on his name who came up with it. But he, you know, are you he, thinking of Jonathan Edwards? No, I'm not. But keep going. There's one back here like <laughs> that. But um, basically, you know, he's telling a story about a you know he's put some leaves down on the ground, he lights them on fire, he puts the worm in the center, and the fire's about to get the you know, kill the worm and, you know, God with his omnipotent hand reaches in and grabs the worm out from the fire just before it, you know, incinerates. I mean, that's the, that's the allegory of it. Got it. And that was essentially, uh, the doctrine that you guys. Yeah, that was the core. With. That was yeah. the core. The, the, uh, which, you know, that, that is half of the truth. Um, it's not the whole truth, but it's half. Of yeah. The truth. I mean, there is a sense in which we are, we are, uh, uh to put it in in the Christian worldview vernacular, which I, I often try to do as little as possible of that, but uh, we have sinned. Like I have I have made mistakes. I have wronged Jennifer. I have wronged my kids. I've I've just I've done things that are bad, and uh, that creates a breach in our relationship, not only with each other but uh, with God, to the extent that you actually um, believe that there is one, which I do, and that has to be repaired. It has to be paid for. There has to be a rescue, but at the same time. You're not helpless. You're not well. You're not helpless because he's helped and <laughs> he has created you. Um, you know, it's, it's it's the same thing as a picture of a of a of an infant being born, right? I mean, it's the most magical thing in the world to make a baby, um, and uh, you'll never you'll never forget that. I'll never we'll never forget that uh, when that baby first one especially comes out, <clears throat> and then they grow up and they make mistakes, and so there's two sides of the magic and the and the and the messiness of of life uh and you can't you can't ignore one without the other you have to see both sides of the coin and a culture that's built in legalism is not able uh to see the dignity of man it's not able to see that in all of creation and all of the plants and animals that exist on this face of this earth that man was created at the pinnacle the very very top yeah mm. okay so Switching rails back to a, a previous train. When you left home, when you went to college, uh, was there a feeling, even if it was unconscious, was there a feeling of liberation? Was it stifling? Was it? I know that it opened up eventually, but when you got there, were you terrified? Were you excited? What were you feeling? Uh, you know, our our stories are going to be different. There, we didn't yeah. actually. We didn't. I mean, we we met in the eighth grade. We knew each other obviously in high school. We graduated as two of three seniors in nineteen eighty nine. Did you yeah. know that? Two no. of three seniors. Jesus Christ! I know, right? <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but that's, um, that's wild. <laughs> two of three seniors, and then we went our separate ways, and we didn't actually connect until after college. Right after I graduated from high school, I got kicked out of the house, and so from the point I was eighteen on, I was, you know, on my own. Yeah. And so my my life story from 18 to 23-ish was I was scrapping and clawing trying to figure out how to feed my face and get yeah. to and find a way to get to college and so it was head down there was no there wasn't actually much time or space emotionally to process any of these mm -hmm. softer emotional mm -hmm. <laughs> Totally. It was, it was survival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jennifer? Mm -hmm. So I lived at home during college. Okay. And continued to go to the church. Okay. During wow. college. Wow. While also being a, a member of this student Baptist union. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Yes. So my friend group expanded. My experiences, maybe some expanded for my uh, senior semester of uh, school. I went to London. That was a pretty big deal. I didn't know what I was doing. I loved it. So yeah, I mean, that was exciting. Um, but like starting out in college. Yeah. Probably a shock. Yeah. I didn't really know how to carry myself. I didn't really know what to think. Um, I met and made friends who just had very different experiences than I did. And I yeah. couldn't, I, I just had never been exposed to, you know, a lot of the things that they had dealt with already. Didn't know quite what to do with that. Yeah. Did it interest you? Like, was it something you were, you looked at and said, I, I want to know how to tackle this or no, did it scare no, you? No, I wasn't that brave. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 I probably shied away from, you know, knowing more or understanding their full experiences because I don't think I was ready yet to kind of, you know, try and fit that into what I believed or knew. Didn't know if that would work. Hey, it's me. So we are going to push pause there and pick up with the next part of the conversation with me and Jeremy and Jacob next time. We'll see you then. <laughs>